Our world needs you. We introduced this sermon series last week with a message entitled, Our World Needs You for Reconciliation. And during that message, we told you about an event that took place yesterday, the Stone Mountain Park, where 60, 70 people associated in Christ's community or closely associated with Christ's community went and, and were a part of thousands that assembled at Stone Mountain Park. And I just want to come back and let you know that I know many of you prayed. You couldn't be there, but you remembered it in your hearts and you prayed. And I can tell you God moved in a powerful way. On top of Stone Mountain, several of us were able to witness hundreds of millennials and hundreds of pastors that assembled together where there was prayers of repentance, where it's crying out to the Lord, where Dr. John Perkins blessed us with the word from the Lord, and where on that site, God was glorified in the very place where dead religion and racial discord seeds were sown years ago. And all during the day, thousands, I mean thousands, literally thousands of people on the lawn of Stone Mountain worshiped together, prayed together, fellowshiped together. And God did a great work there that he is not finished with, that those of us who were there are just, our hearts are full, and you, we are a part of what God is doing, and God is not through, and we just celebrate what he's doing amongst us right now. Our world needs you. You know, in a couple of days, you think that was, I don't want to compare it to what we just experienced, but something's different going to happen in just a few days. About five or six days all around this country, some of us in this very room, we're going to be either sitting in front of our television sets or at the stadium of our choice cheering on our favorite team because college football has returned. I know some of y'all want to shout. Go ahead. It's all right. We're going to give you that little room right now. Carver football team over there, they shout, and they got two wins under their belts. High school football is returned for them. And, and you know, I, I know many, maybe you're not football fans, but maybe you follow basketball or baseball or, or, or golf or, or hockey. I'm trying to get to you somewhere. Somewhere here I'm going to connect with you. Something in here. My wife says of me, she says, you know, this guy's just a sports fanatic. Anything with, with, a, with a ball and some competition, he's glued at the team. And, you know, I, I kind of like the big two, basketball and football, but let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. I love going to places like Carver or Central to do a pregame prayer because it's something about being in the locker room of, of, a, of a sports team as the coach is bringing them together, you know, giving them last-minute instructions on what to look out for, what to be aware of, you know, how, how the referees, you know, how to react to the referees. Anybody been in that kind of context before? Any of y'all been there before? I know y'all, some of y'all flashed back to your glory days, you know, it's all right. It's something, it's something powerful about moments like that. Well, this message I have for us this morning that God has given starts with a scene similar to that. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Pick me up at verse 1. See, there we're going to find that Jesus has called his team together, and they're having a huddle. 
He reviews his teams, look at what the resources are, what the missions are for them to accomplish. He even talks about the audience. And like spectators in a football game, when we look at this passage that we're going to look at for the next few minutes, there is a danger that we can look at it and think that we can't really play in this game that we see described in this passage. But I would say to us that that's not entirely true. The ministry of the gospel is one that we can all take part in. We all can take part in the ministry of the gospel. We can all be a part of this team. And there are plenty of things that we can take away from this briefing that Jesus has with his disciples. The title of this message this morning is simply this, Our World Needs You to Execute the Plan. Our world needs you to execute the plan. Oh, I feel my Baptist background coming in. You turn to your neighbor and say, our world needs you to execute the plan. I'm serious. Yeah. Yeah, nobody's looking at you, so I'm going to look at you over there, sir. Our world needs you to execute the plan. Now, thank God that he has the plan because he is, he is, he is all in all. But he, he needs us in order to execute the plan. Let's start out. See, he has some, there's some resources. There's, we're going to start with that. There's resources. I'm going to go through some, some elements of an effective ministry team. And I emphasize ministry team because this is not something that we do by ourselves or on our own. We do it with a team. That's why I like watching sports so much because there are teams these are, these are men and women who have come together and they bonded together and together they can do more than they can do by themselves. And ministry is the same way. We can do more if we're together with our brothers and sisters than we can do by ourselves. Can I get an amen to that from anybody? Okay, okay. But in verse 1, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Hold on to your seat. We're going to go slow. First of all, he mentions, Matthew mentions 12 disciples. He called. It's like a past tense. He called these 12. He called them. See, they they had already been called, but now he's assembling them together. He summoned them to this place, to this location. And 12 is used a lot of times in the Bible. You know, the, the hemorrhaging woman had been bleeding for 12 years. The girl that Jesus raised from the dead had been dead for 12 years. Um, you know, I don't want to get too far into that because we're not talking about numerology here. But 12 is a word, a, a, a number of significance. 12 tribes of Israel. But there's another thing that's found in this first verse. Look at it again with me. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them what? He gave them. Come on, y'all. He gave them. To do what? Drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Now, we're going to come back to that in a little bit more detail later, but what I want to say about it right now is, look how that's linked together. He gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Now, I want to, I want to, I want to just, just talk about something and get it right on the table. I know some of us come from backgrounds, theology, where we struggle with this whole thing about, about being able being able to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. But don't, don't miss what comes before that. He gave them authority. The authority came from Jesus himself. He got it from the Father, and he gave it to them. And because of that relationship, because of that relationship, 
he, he gave them authority to drive out impure spirit, every impure spirits and every disease and sickness. And look how they're connected. They're connected. I, I bring this up because I, I want to I just challenge us in something. You know, sometimes we can come from this mindset, and there are others, there are some theologians um, that, that kind of support this kind of idea, that, you know, sickness, disease, the only answer is the things that we have come up with. But if we look at this, if we look at this closely, authority, authority from Jesus gave them the power to drive out impure spirits and heal. It, it, it gives to me some kind of thought like this, that there might be something behind, something behind the disease and sickness. It might be something demonic that's going on. There might be a root down inside that really needs to be addressed. And, 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 and this makes you feel uncomfortable. That's good, because sometimes we need to be a little bit more uncomfortable, because sometimes we're not getting things solved, we're not getting things resolved, because we don't really get to the root cause. Sometimes there are, there are evil spiritual activity that's happening down in our soul that needs to be addressed. Okay. Now, is this resource or authority something that which only disciples had, or is it a resource for us too? That's a question that we need to wrestle with. I remind us again that yes, Jesus gave them authority, but let's not forget that when Jesus left this earth, he told them clearly that he was sending a comforter, the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us clearly that we will be able to do more than he. Y'all with me on this? So, so it's not inconceivable that, that the same Jesus that gave them this power, this authority, is available and ready and willing to give us the same. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that all sickness is caused by demons. Please don't get that wrong. I, that's not what I'm saying. I am saying, however, though, there may be some things that we need to address in the spiritual world that we have not. Let me move on. I, I, I can see that that's, that's, that's kind of... Getting folks a little nervous, you know, and I don't want to park there too long, but let's, let's keep going. See, elements of an effective ministry team, resources, but then we see next in the scripture, teamwork. Any, any team worth its salt, any team that's, that rises up to a championship level, one of the trademarks, one of the things that they're known for is teamwork. Look with me at the scripture, verse number two through four. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother, Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the text collect, text, tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Now, I want you to look closely. Notice something how Matthew refers to these 12. When he started at verse 1, what did he refer to them as? Disciples. But we get here and he refers to them as Come on, it's not a trick question. He refers to them as apostles. Okay? See, he started referring to them as disciples. The Greek word for disciples means one who learns. But now he refers to them as apostles, people who are men who are sent. What, what's the point, Derek? See, it's one thing for us to gather together, and it's good, and it's, it's rich, and we have great, great times coming together and learning more about Jesus, learning more about the Word. 
But we can't stay there because he's doing all that for us to be sent out into the world. Our world needs you. We can't, the world can't get it if we stay in our own little groups just learning and learning and learning. At some point, we need to exercise what we've been learning. Interesting thing about these names. You know, you first look at this and you can say, oh, he just named the people and that's it. But look at the, look at the way they're arranged. Peter appears first. Every time when the apostles, when you see this in, in several gospels, you see the disciples listed, Peter always comes first. And some of the other names kind of change because they had different names of how they identified them. But one thing that's, that's interesting, there were several brothers in the group. Peter and Andrew, James and John, they were brothers. Philip and Bartholomew, there's some, you know, there's some, some believe that Bartholomew was referred to as Nathan in another part in the Bible and that that was Philip's brother. I don't know if that's true or not, but this is, this is what I do know. That Mark, in Mark's gospel, he said Jesus sent them out two by two. Teams. Teams. And then there's 12 that seem to be four groups of three all the time. Teams. It's something powerful about being in a team that we see here. Let me go back to sports. You know, basketball. Any basketball fans in the room? Okay. That's going to be one of those days. That's all right. <laughs> basketball. You know, you, 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 basketball fans, you know about a pick play? You know, a pick play where, where you come up beside your teammate and you, and you shield them from the, you know, so that the guy can get around. That leads to a pick and roll. You know, you come up, you make a pick, and then you roll to the basket, pass it, easy layup. You got to give and go. You know, where you pass the ball to somebody. As soon as I pass it to you, I shoot over here. My defender starts looking at you. I shoot over here. You pass the ball back, bounce the ball back to me, easy layup. Teamwork. Teamwork, same way in the kingdom of God. When we're working as a team, we can encourage each other. We can pray for each other. We can support one another when we're a team. So resources, elements of an effective ministry team. Teamwork, an element of an effective ministry team. A defined mission field. We have a defined mission field. They had a defined mission field in these, in these verses that we're going to look at. Look at verse number five through six. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. He told them where not to go. He told them where to go. He gave them a defined mission field. Now, why would he say not go? Not go to the Gentiles or enter any towns of the Samaritans. Well, I remind us simply this. Jesus felt his mission was first to the lost sheep, right before where we are now in chapter 9. That's where we got that scripture one that we were talking about, the harvest. They were harassed and like sheep without a shepherd. And he was coming to bring wholeness to the lost sheep. As a matter of fact, at the beginning of this whole story of God redeeming his people to himself, he used Abraham. Y'all remember what he told Abraham back in Genesis 12, 3? I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The formation of what would become known as the Jewish nation, Jewish people. One of the most powerful, one of the, not most, one, one of the powerful things that happened yesterday, we were on top of Stone Mountain, and there was a prayer, a time that we were talking about repentance and reconciliation, and there were some prayers offered and some testimonies given of forgiveness, uh, forgiveness being offered and forgiveness received, and one man came up and he prayed. 
And he did something unexpected to me. He started praying for our attitude and the way we treat our Jewish brothers and sisters. And he said, God, forgive us. Because it is through them that he chose not just to stop with them, but to impact all of the world. Another reason why I think this is important here, this defined mission field, the fact that we have this mission field and why Jesus sent the disciples to the Jews first. Let me give it to you like this. How many people have never been on a mission trip before? Raise your hand. Okay. Now, keep it, keep it raised. Keep it raised. Now, here, I'm going to ask you to do something that's going to be a little uncomfortable. How many of you, the reason you have not gone is you feel like you just really can't survive out there on the mission field in some of these places you've heard they talk about going? Yeah. That's a couple of hands. Yeah, that, thank you. Give me, give you a, for instance, if I would say to you, okay, I want you to go to the rural area of Zambia and I want you to do mission work there. For some of us, that would really kind of make us cringe because we're not sure if we can go there in this culture that's so different than ours, from living conditions that's so different than ours, from food experiences that we have not had the pleasure of being partaking of. You know, we're not sure if we can survive in that kind of element. We're not sure if we can survive in an element where we're immersed in 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 a culture that the language is so different than what we're used to. So going back to what Jesus did with the disciples, I think a part of this is simply that he sent them to first places that they knew and they were comfortable with. But you know he didn't leave them there because later on he sent Philip to talk to the Ethiopian eunuch. He, before he left in Acts 1-8, he told them to go to Samaria. And then all of those disciples, once they really got their feet under them, and they matured in the faith. They went and they spread the gospel to every part of the world, but they started right there at home. Listen, let's move on. So we, we got resources. We have, we have um, teamwork. We have a defined mission field. Another thing we find in the scripture, there is a clear objective. Now I want you to really hone in on it. Come on, come on up here close. Come on, come on, lean on in. A a clear objective. Look at verse number seven. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven has come near. We've heard this before. John the Baptist, you know, what did he preach? Chapter three, verse two. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus himself, what did he announce in chapter 4, verse 17? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And now here he is telling those disciples, those 12 that assembled with him, that are gathered with him, he told them in no uncertain terms, as you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. This message they understood. This message they knew something about because they had been waiting for years and years, because they knew that there was only one true God and that this God had established standards of good and evil, that they had been violated by mankind, that this same God justly decreed that eternal death is a sentence of justice to everyone. This same God, however, didn't just stop there because he initiated a way to be reconciled through the death of a substitute, and that substitute has a name. His name is Jesus. 
and that the descendants of Eve and of Abraham and of David who provide the way for people to be reconciled with God. And this substitute, this Messiah, this Jesus was to be listened to, followed, and obeyed. Any effective ministry team has a part of their message that they're going to share with others this message of the kingdom of heaven has come near. Still don't have it? Let me see if I can help you out like this. The kingdom of heaven, this is where the comprehensive rule of God controls everything in our life. Not just at church on Sunday, but on the soccer field, on the ball field, at work, God rules. He is ruler over all. That's the kingdom. That's kingdom life. And we should be kingdom men and women where we are trying to help people see that if we put everything under his authority, things will change. My last, my last little point on the elements of an effective ministry team is this. That in verse number eight, we see Jesus had high expectations. Look what it says. Verse seven, as you go proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. And right behind it, it says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Now, I said I was coming back to this, and here, here we go. I know, because I, I, I have been involved in this myself at one point in my life, where we're just not comfortable around miracles. You know, there, in fact, I, I, was, I was researching this. I even found a commentary from a theologian who suggested that there are no reports in the Bible of the disciples raising anyone from the dead. And I just said, man, what Bible were you reading? Do you not know about Peter in Acts chapter 9, Dorcas, Tabitha, who was a disciple? Peter raised her from the dead. You, you, how did he miss that? Did he, know, he, did he not know about Paul in Acts 20? If you want some good reading, read this. Acts 20. Just jot that down. Go to Acts 20. Paul was preaching one night, preached all the way up to midnight. There was a young man sitting in the window, got sleepy, went to sleep. Fell out the window, fell dead. Three stories down. Paul went down, revived him, said he's not dead, he's alive. Went back up, kept on preaching to the, broad, to the break of day. How, how did he miss these things? How do we miss these things? You know, there's just so many accounts in the, in the New Testament of, of and, the, and, and you know what? You say, okay, you keep going back to the Bible. What about now? You know, this is the truth. In, in other parts of the country, we see, our, we see still today evidences of people getting miraculous healing. I'm not talking about healing from a cold. I'm talking about healing from, from diseases. I'm talking about healing from broken arms. I'm talking about things, where, things that were broken come back together again. And this is happening amongst us all around the world. Oh, we can go better than that. There's people in this very room, I being one of them, 
that can testify to the fact that because of being a part of the kingdom of God and because of praying people, because of people who lay hands on, that God solved, cured things that once looked like they were incurable. Anybody can witness that in this room? So all I'm suggesting to us is that, you know, don't be so firm in believing that if you, if you do, I, I believe we're in a church here that we, we kind of we believe that this is possible. These things are possible. There is a place for miracles today. I believe that. I believe it's limited, but hear me out. The reason the limit is there is not because of God. It's because of us. You know, I appreciate your attention and listening and taking notes. But you know, we just thought that today we hear a lot about this, but we can hear how this is working out right here in our midst. This summer, we have enjoyed a great time of outreach and harvest. And Pam Bone, Pam Bone, will y'all welcome Pam Bone up? Pam's going to come up and she's going to share with us. She's going to share with us just how this has been looking right here in our context. Thank you, Pam. Good morning. Well, I'm really excited about our current sermon series that um, our world needs you because I have the opportunity right now just to share how Christ Community Church, this body of believers, um, has been loving God and loving others in our community and beyond so far this year. Um, some have responded to God to, to serve and love others to the outermost, outermost parts of the earth. And so far, we have sent a team to Bulgaria and a same team to Costa Rica. Um, we've also done something called an absentee mission trip that Norman Dunlap put together, where he had a few men that raised money as if they were going on a trip um, and then send the money off to Camp Laughing Child because that was what they needed. Um, we also have three teams that we will actually be sending out this month. I mean, not this month. We're not there yet, but September. And so one to Rwanda, one to Spain. They'll be joining other teams there, and then one to Cyprus. So, so that's a great celebration that people are going well beyond our community. Also, as, da- as Derek stated, we've been in this season of summer outreach. And so I've got this slide that is a, a fun way to share some stats about summer outreach this summer. So we have had 29 total events starting early this summer through, through the middle of August. So that's, that's a celebration. We had 225 of you that actually plugged into those events to help to carry those out. We prayed with 35 individuals who were, were glad that we asked to pray with them. We gave out 459 bottles of water that have our Christ Community Church logo and scripture on it. And then we gave out 450 or about that many handwritten invitations to, to, to join us at church on Sunday. So those are amazing things. And we think we, we connected with about 800, about 892. That's a pretty specific number. But that's what the number looks like from just the count of people that we actually touched throughout the summer on these outreaches. So that's pretty amazing, and it's an amazing way to look at it, an amazing way to measure it, and it's interesting, but the truth is, is that is not how we determine our success. 
We don't even determine success um, by getting somebody to say a certain thing or do a certain thing. So that's not really up to us. That's God's role to produce an outcome or the fruit of what we're doing. So we're simply called to obedience. So on the screen you'll see that that we just, success doesn't equal outcomes. Success equals obedience. We're only called to go and do and speak and invite and love. So that's what we're called to do. So there are examples of fruitful obedience, I think. I think that there's some awesome things that we could share. There's some things that I would love to mention. So many people, I'm looking out here and I just want to So y'all stand up, and I want to tell everybody what you've done, but I'm going to give a couple of examples. Um, Rob Carter attended our very first outreach this summer. It was a House of Heroes project, and when the next day he called me and he said, we need to do this again. I've got, I can, I can put together another team, and we can help someone else because I have a skill set that I can, can offer, and I said, okay, that's awesome, Rob, and, and so we added an outreach that wasn't on our calendar. Similarly, Kristen, my friend Kristen, attended a neighborhood outreach and looked on the calendar when we got back and said, we need to do this next week. I'm like, we, we don't have a team going out next week. She said, well, we need to, and I'm willing to lead it. And so to me, that is, that's fruitful obedience, and I want to celebrate that. There's so many of those that happen, though. Um, currently, we're aware of at least three families. These are people that have told us that have visited us because they were encouraged so much through the, through the efforts of these that have gone out into the community this summer. So other things um, that we would say are fruits of the obedience are we had people share testimonies about what they experienced when they went out, and so I've compiled these into some bullet points. These are not exact testimonies, but these are themes that I found in their testimonies. So here we see that people said that they really pushed through their fears, and once they did, they saw people's hearts open and doors open for them to share, share Christ with them. Um, and then just the way people respond to simple acts of kindness, simple words of encouragement, simply asking somebody what you can pray for them. Um, I wrote down that Bar- Barbara Carroll, one of uh, my friends, said that Going out on, on outreach showed her the real need to share Christ with those near and far away. Well, that's, that's, that's a celebration right there. Um, also, on the next screen, we see some partnerships that we, people we partner with. And this is just a sample of, of the partnerships we enjoy at Christ Community Church. But the opportunity to help support people love others and care for others and, and, and really impact other people is significant with both Enoch and Reese Road Leadership Academy. Pat Flowers said that when she went and served at Reese Road on the first day of school, that when she looked at those teachers, she saw that they were uplifted and that in the process, she was encouraged as well. And that's, that's fruitful obedience. Um, several people spoke to the benefits for their family when they went on outreach, and for their community, the community of Christian um, Christians. So I just want to say to you, if you've not ever gone on outreach with children, you're missing out because children will break down barriers and open doors that, that is difficult for us to do. So when you have kids along with you, bring your kids. They're not, they're not a nuisance. They're not a hindrance. They actually break down walls and barriers on outreach. And also, um, Billy's been talking to us all month about community and about making connections. Well, I can honestly say that when I've gone out on, on 
on outreach, and I've served with people, that my connection with them has exponentially increased. It just brings a depth of relationship that you can't get in other forums. So I would just encourage you to do that as a community group or just to connect on outreach and meet new people and connect with them at a deeper level. A couple of testimonies about that were from Patty Kelly. I truly love spending the time with my other church members, and Lauren said the community she experienced was one of her favorite parts of outreach. So that's really sweet fruit, I think. Um, Next steps. So what I would say to you today is that continue to pray for people that need a church home. Pray for them to know Jesus and pray that God would use you to to bring them to either one of those places. And then don't stop there. Be very intentional about reaching out to them. Invite them to church. Invite them to dinner. Invite them into some type of community. Um, You can also help by investing in in, in a ministry at Christ Community Church. You can give with your, you know, serve. You can bring things when we are trying to collect things to give and help in the community, or you can give with your financial support. You may be considering going on a mission trip, so I could get off on big tangent here, but God, if God's calling you on a, on a, on a mission trip, I would say um, respond to him with obedience. And then there's still an opportunity for you to buy a T-shirt. So there's actually multiple T-shirts out there for sale this week, but if you still want to buy a T-shirt that we um, introduced early this summer, we need to sell some more of those T-shirts. And it's a great conversation starter out in the community. So, so do that if you feel like you should do that. Ways that you can connect in the very near future actually start tonight. So you may have heard that the Arise Young Adult Group is serving some students from CSU tonight. So if you have time this afternoon to help set up, come do that. If you have time to come greet, do that. If you have time to clean up at 9 o'clock tonight, come do that. Um, We also have follow-ups to summer outreach. You can read about those. You can go to the booth out there that have the beautiful chalkboards up behind them. You can go on the website, or you can get information off of the e-news, which is um, mailed into your email. Um, be looking for, on, the, on our um, website, testimonials. So I talked about testimonials. If you want to read about those, be encouraged by those, then Haley Bourne's going to post all of those in their, in their full context um, next week. All right. Well, I want to pray for us as I, as I leave this morning. So would you pray with me, please? Lord God, we know that this world needs you. We want to celebrate the, ways that you, the things that you've accomplished, Lord, through our efforts this year. We pray that you would help us be obedient to love you and to love everyone by executing the plan that you've given us. And Father, we thank you so much that you're faithful. We thank you that, that you will give us the grace to also be faithful if we'll respond. And Lord, right now I just want to submit to you those who will be joining others to serve our missionaries in Spain and Rwanda. Lord, I pray that you would use them to share the love of Jesus and to support the brothers and sisters that we have on the field. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pam. Appreciate your efforts and your leadership in this area. As we get ready to close, I go back to verse 7. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. 
heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. And then it ends like this. That verse ends, verse 8. Freely you have received. Freely give. Freely you have received. Freely give. Romans 3, 24, Paul writes that we've been justified as a gift, as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. He, he, he writes in 2 Corinthians eleven seven, I preach the gospel of God to you without charge. Revelation 21, 6, we hear these words, I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. You see, if we are believers, we've been given this gift of salvation for no charge. And all that we're suggesting this morning is that we in turn should give this to another without any charge. Think about all that the disciples were doing. I mean, they could, they could have gotten rich by healing people and raising people from the dead. But you know, God says, no, no, don't, 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 don't do that. Give away the love of God as freely as you have received the love of God. You who are justified freely by God's grace through redemption in Christ Jesus, you who heard the good news from God preached for free, you who have been invited to drink from the wells of eternal life without charge, I have a question for you, my brothers and sisters. Are you offering the same good news to the world around you just as freely? Our world needs you. Those who are praying, those who come to the altars, let's prepare to close. The praise team is going to come out and, and, and lead us in the final song. But I want us to sit with this for a moment. As those who are praying, come forth. And, and, and I really want to, want to talk to, to us before we get ready to, to leave. As you sit for a moment and, and listen to this melody in your ear. Ask the Lord, Father, what can I do? What can I do? You know why I believe he is so good and he is so gracious and he is so loving? He'll give you something that you can do. Not something that's going to be so hard that you can't, you have to strain. He'll give you something that you can do in order to promote and to, and to further his kingdom. I believe it. I believe it with all my heart. About his. Would you just pray with me, Father? In light of this message, in light of this time, Father, I come to you now. Ask you to search my heart. Forgive me if I've been resistant. Forgive me if I've been one full of excuses. Forgive me if I've been one who has doubted your power and your authority. Father, help me to see. And not only see, but to take action on where it is you want me to go and what it is that you want me to do. In Jesus' name, Lord.